This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Those that are in the know are those that recognize that we have a new email that is thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. We're going to make a slight confession. So we're starting the show with Russ a confession. Russ is going to start it. Yes. <laughs> okay. And here's the confession. Despite our excitement and the launch of this new email, it has been significantly underutilized. You have not flooded our, e- our email inbox. So we're looking for feedback. We're looking for suggestions. We're looking for questions. We're looking for to- topics. And the email is thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. That was my confession. I don't know if you guys have anything that you need yeah, to get I was off your chest. Like, where's the, the, the confession? I was, I was thinking of like an apology or something that was coming. <laughs> no, the confession <laughs> is that even though this is the next great thing, it really hasn't been the next great thing. So... The excitement that we have is not matched by the excitement that apparently our listeners have. <laughs> we are beginning to look at a short little series on a response to some the principles of progressive Christianity. Progressive Christianity is just the new marketing of what has been known in the past as liberalism. And Ryan mentioned something yesterday that I think is helpful that at the end of the day, the devil really doesn't change his strategy over time. He he might slightly repackage it. He might might sound just a little bit different, but his his overall strategy is to deceive. Mm-hmm. And what he knows he can do is the outright lie is going to be recognized. And so he does. He deceives with subtleties. He deceives with half truths. He tries to disguise himself as an angel of light. And so, when, as we work our way through some of these principles of, of progressive Christianity and, and try to talk about well, what is incorrect about it, I think we need to just remember that there are going to be things that are correct about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it especially dangerous is that you have to be very discerning about, okay, what in here is correct and what actually is going to lead me astray. Well, Russ, yesterday you, you mentioned that, this, that either liberalism or fundamentalism oftentimes falls into the same trap, which is, a mor- <coughs> which is moralism. And there's always been either an undervaluing of the commandment of God or and adding to the commandments of God. And this is something that even Jesus is dealing with, you know, like in the Sermon on the Mount. When each time Jesus will say, you've heard it said, 
he's not simply quoting the Old Testament scripture there. He is actually the Pharisees and the scribes are the foil in all that. They, they are saying, they're repeating some of what scripture says, but they are adding or subtracting from what scripture says. So he's dealing with the oral tradition that gathered around that. And so this is the same thing that we see in quote unquote progressive Christianity. You know, this is the same thing that is happening. They are either uh, living below the line of scripture or adding something above the line of scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yesterday we deal, dealt with the principle that was Jesus is a model for living more than an object for worship. And in, in the end of the day, progressives actually do undermine the divinity of Jesus Christ. And so even though they'll say more than, it, it's, it's really Jesus is merely a model and he's not the Lord of the universe that's worthy of our worship. And so the second one that we want to deal with, respond to, is that progressives will say that we need to affirm people's potential as more important than reminding them of their brokenness. Progressives believe in the loss, downplaying, ignoring, or sometimes even the outright rejection of sin. And so they'll, it will come across in some ways as, well, you're just beating people up. You're making people depressed. We don't need to talk about sin. They, 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 don't, they don't even use the word. I have to laugh. This is short story time before we get to you guys jumping in with the response. But I was in seminary, and we went to listen to um, there's this uh, group that was going around the country into major cities of, of the world. And um, they had all of these people that were leaders in their various fields of study. And they had, oh, who was the guy from our not Norman Vincent Peale, the other one, the Robert Schuler. Schuler. Schuler yeah. spoke. And he was talking about this idea of that there is one word that we should never talk about. And he was thinking of the word can't or don't. And somebody he and, and Schuler had said, There's a word that I never use. And somebody from the audience yelled out, sin. And it wasn't what Schuler was thinking, but it is actually how Schuler lived. Yeah, um, he, he didn't talk about sin, and mm-hmm. that actually is where we're at with this. So, how do we re- respond to the progressives' mantra that we need to be more about the positive, the the potentiality of humans, and not talk about sin, the brokenness? Well, I think we first of all we need to recognize that we are we are sinners, saints, and servants. So there is a there is the idea that we're sinful, but there also that we can be redeemed, and there's that potential there. C.S. Lewis actually said, "Mere improvement is not redemption, though redemption always improves people, even here and now, and will in the end improve them to a degree that we can't imagine." He says, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to promote better men. And uh, so the, uh, in behind that is the fact that we're, we're sinners, and, there's, and the only way we're going to come into the light is to recognize our sinfulness. You know, our comfort in life and in death is, is knowing a faithful Savior who died for our sins and delivers us from them. So we have to begin there. 
This moves the gospel out of the center of the church's purpose, right? In this principle, the the purpose of the church becomes to help people achieve their potential, that live their mm-hmm. best life now, if you will. And mm-hmm. the the good news cannot be great news unless you first understand the bad news. Mm-hmm. The first word of the gospel that Jesus preaches in the Gospel of Mark is repent. That is to to acknowledge something's broken, something's not right. I'm on a path that that leads to ruin, and I'm going to stop and and reject that and turn mm-hmm. in the other direction. And this just does damage to all of that, moves it out of out of the middle and the object of the church. In order for humanity to really attain to its fullest potential, you could say, is to be redeemed and united to Christ. And you know, Ephesians chapter two, Paul talks about us in Christ by the grace of God. <laughs> being united to him, raised with him, seated with him in glory. And, but in order to get there, as Vinny just said, we, and, and Jonathan too, we, Paul starts in chapter two, dealing with the fact that we are sinners first and foremost at, but in our nature, we're dead in our sins and our transgressions. And we have been made alive by God. So we, we have to know the bad news and we have to accept the bad news before we can receive the good news. Yeah, standing before God, we all ought to have an inferiority complex. Yes, um, that's that's what uh, that's where we begin, but that's not where we end. And God works through us. In fact, you know, we were created in the image of God, and those who have been redeemed by Him and bought back, you know, we are being uh, renewed in the image of God in in true uh, knowledge and holiness, as Ephesians four twenty four tells us. It's interesting that when Scripture speaks of of, of sin, it it doesn't speak of sin as an, as an end or a destination. So, when you you read the Gospels, when you read the epistles and and or the prophets, and they're pointing people to recognize, to see, to acknowledge, and and to to own the sin that they are engaged in or involved with, and is a part of them. It's not just to highlight that. Mm-hmm. It's to drive them past that to Jesus Christ, to have what Vinny started with, with the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, the adulterers, idolaters, men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Mm-hmm. He's, he doesn't say, but such were some of you, but we were able to help you with your self-esteem. We were help you to feel better about yourself. We were mm-hmm. able to, to help you deal with some of, the, of these shortcomings in your life and set you off into a more positive direction. No. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, you came to Christ. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. You found salvation, and that then changed. Mm-hmm. And I think an, out, an outcome of this, if you take this position, also changes the direction of your worship. If, if I remember that I'm a broken individual who's been redeemed by the grace of God, then He remains my focus for my work and my worship. Mm-hmm. But if but if I'm I've moved past that, mm-hmm. and it's about me achieving my potential and me working hard and achieving more and growing into this next beautiful thing, then the object of my worship ultimately becomes myself. Mm-hmm. And, and also, we... it, it also changes, you know, you know, here we are 
even in the months, just a few months before Easter, you know, it changes the whole focus of, of the whole Easter story. You know, what, what, do you, what does the progressive liberal say, uh, you know, when he gets up to preach? After winter came spring. Um, there's, you know, I mean, you know, the denying the substitution of the Son of God for our sins and dying in our place and reminding us that sin was this huge deal that, mm-hmm. you know, has plunged all of humanity. And this is why we see all, all the destruction in our world is because of sin. Jesus came to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, you know, knowing him, making us new creatures, that changes things for us. We do become a, someone of incredible potential. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only potential we had before is that we were going to be lost and dead in our trespasses and sin. And when we try to make our whole focus not offending or doing injury to people, by mentioning sin, what we do is we injure God's own character and we belittle his grace. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when God pronounced his name and introduced himself to Moses, you know, the, what he says in Exodus chapter 34 is, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. By no means clearing the guilty, visiting iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. You know, when God had an opportunity to proclaim his name, introduce himself, he says, he, he focuses on his grace, his mercy, because of our sin. And because of who we are in Christ, we are being renewed in the image of God, re- recreated in true holiness and righteousness and, and knowledge. And as Kruger would say, we would do better to trust the simple and clear message of the Apostle Paul. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. We'll see you next time.